You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Just say, man, I, I tell you what, I see some of y'all and I've been around some of y'all. And I can see why the Lord loves some of y'all. But I don't see why he loves me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God's been so good to me. Amen. Because I know how I am. Amen. And God, God knows how I am and he still loves me. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? I praise God for that. <laughs> you got your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Let me say again, thank you church, pastor, for allowing us to come back. Amen. And, and uh, not only to minister in music, but it's a special privilege for me to be able to preach the Word of God, not only to sing the Word of God, but to preach the Word of God. Amen. It's a special privilege. When you got your place, would you mind standing with us? We'll begin reading in the first part of this chapter, Job chapter 9. Let me say this before we begin reading, though. Job is responding to his so-called friend <laughs> and uh, Bildad and, and I say that word so-called because uh, jo- uh, Bildad was one of those friends you'd say about him were friends like you who needs enemies <laughs> and really all of Job's friends were that way I mean you think you've got some bad friends read the book of Job I mean they're the most discouraging folks I've ever seen in my life amen and you know what, but Job, uh, he, he, he got over that. As you read through the scriptures, even before the Lord blessed him, Pastor, Job still started working himself out. I believe God was helping him, of course. But he got around that stuff. And that's what you're going to have to do in life. If you're going to have to look to the Lord. You can't always look to friends. You can't always look to family. You've got to look beyond those things. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible says, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, sometimes your family and your friends aren't going to help you. But Jesus can always be a help. You know, I was thinking about this, and, and pardon me for preaching a little bit before the message. But some of you need to circulate your blood a little bit more, you know, stand up a little while anyway. I know how it is on a Sunday morning. But I was thinking about this. Is, you know, one thing, us Christians, we never have to pray for and our brother read it this morning. We never have to pray that the Lord will not forsake us. He promised he would never forsake us. That's one thing, Brother Michael. Praise God. I never have. I've caught myself because the, the psalmist, he, pray, he prayed that. He said, Lord, forsake me not. But really, we don't have to pray for that. Because Jesus said it in those words, I'll never forsake thee, and I'll never leave thee. Amen. That's not the message, but that'll still preach. Some, one of y'all preachers will take that and maybe go with it, I hope. Uh, amen. But reading in verse 1 and 2, like I said, Job's responding to Bildad's criticism of him, actually. In verse 1, he says, Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? I want to preach on that thought this morning. How can man be just with God? Now, that's a very simple thought, but my friend, that's the most important question that can be asked in these days or ever. How can a man or a woman, now I say man, I mean mankind, 
how can you be just with God? And not, because in order to get to heaven, you've got to be perfect with God. You've got to be just as righteous as Jesus Christ, which never sinned. How can that be possible? You've got to be just with God. We're going to try to answer that, not what, through what I can say, but what the Word of God. Because I'm not basing my eternity on what my mom and dad's told me, what any preacher has told me, what any professor has told me. You better base, base it on something more solid than that. I based it on this King James Bible. Amen. That's been proven over thousands of years. Y'all pray with me for me. Lord, I do thank you so much for the opportunity to preach. I pray that you touch these lips of clay. Lord, may I make the, the message clear this morning. Lord, more clear than I've ever made it. Uh, may, may I be concise, but Lord, may I be complete in the message this morning. We ask it in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Like I said, Bildad has been spending a whole chapter complaining that Job, the reason why he's going through this, these troubles and trials in his life is because he's sinned. And, but you know what? We, we make that conclusion a lot of times. We see somebody going through something. We, I know I, sometimes I think, well, you know, they may have been involved in some kind of sin, the reason why they're going through this trouble and trial. But most of the time, my friend, that's not true. In other words, really, you, th you look at people that's going through a lot of troubles and trials, a lot of times those are the people that God can trust. Yeah. You know why God may have let you go through a trial? It's because he can trust you with that trial. And, and God could trust Job with a trial. I mean, the greatest a man has ever gone through, Job went through that trial. He is a trustworthy man. I believe that's what God would say about him. So, so Job's saying basically... He says, I know it is of a truth in verse 2. I know, I, I know it is of a truth, but, you know, I know I'm not perfect. There's no man righteous, no, not one. But how can a man be just with God? And, uh, but that brings up the first thought this morning. Why does a man need to be justified with God? I think I've already answered that. In order to get to heaven, you've got to be justified. Or you've got to be right with God. Because we have committed sin. I know we're living in a day when sin has been belittled, it's been laughed at. You look, watch TV, and somebody committed sin. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my friend, sin is what the reason why Jesus had to die on the cross. That's why man has to be justified because they have offended, and I say they, we, all men, there's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, I'm not that bad of a person. You know how many sins it may, takes to make you a sinner? Only one. Amen. For all have sinned and come short of a, the glory of God. And uh, I think about a story every time I quote that verse about this little boy, he is on the side of the road, and he was shooting arrows at a barn, and he had an error in every bullseye all over the barn. And this businessman stopped by as he was driving by. He, said, he asked the little boy, he said, Son, how in the world can you hit that bullseye every time? That's amazing. Let me watch you do it. Little boy pulls back. Must have been a redneck. says, Watch this. <laughs> he pulls back the arrow and shoots at the barn. And as soon as he hits the barn, he runs down there and begins to draw a target around his arrow. 
And you know, that's the way some people are. They think they've set their own goals. They set their own glory. But there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody can hit the bullseye every time. Amen. We must be justified because we've offended a thrice holy God. And how bad, you say, well, sin is what's keeping us out of heaven and it's taking us to hell because of that sin. Just how bad is sin then? Well, let me say sin is the reason why I've already said it, why Jesus had to die on the cross. But let's think for just a little bit with me, if you would, please. I know it's not something we like to think a lot about, but the crucifixion. Jesus hung on that cross to pay for my sin and for your sin. I mean, they, they laid the cross down on the ground and then they nailed their hands and nailed their feet and then they would raise it up into a hole and they would drop that cross into the ground and it would just pull on those nails. Their hands and their feet would pull on those nails and practically almost rip their hands apart and their feet. This, let me pause for just a moment and say, this is just not anybody they put on the cross. When I say Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect son of God. Pilate himself, which was a wicked man, says, I find no fault in him. Judas Iscariot himself says, I have betrayed innocent blood. This man has not ever sinned in his life, but yes, they're crucifying him. He was on that cross, but you know, that was just, that wasn't the beginning of his suffering, of course. He had already been whipped almost to death. He had been spat upon. He had been hit by those soldiers. He was all, practically most men would have died before they ever got to the cross that went through what Jesus went through. But as the, because the Romans had perfected suffering, torture, they had perfected it. They had learned how to make a man torture and suffer on that cross more than they had ever had in the history. But the one reason why they would suffer after they were hanging there, in order to get a breath, to get their oxygen, they would have to push down on those nails with their feet and pull up with their, the nail, on the nails with their hands in order to just get a breath to be able to breathe. And we understand that but that was true with Jesus because the Bible says that Pilate ordered that the soldiers would go break the legs of the, of the people that was crucified and the reason why they would break their legs when it, they had tortured them long enough, they would break their legs so that they couldn't push up any longer and get a breath. But they would pull up on those nails and push up on those nails in order to get a breath. So anytime you see Jesus speaking in the Bible when he says to the, to the thief on the cross, he says, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. My friend, he had just got through pulling up on those nails and pushing up on those nails in order to say that. He, at, before, right before he said to those soldiers, he's, or to the Father, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My friend, my Lord suffered on that cross. And why? Not because of his sin, because as I've already said, he committed not one sin. He did all of that for your sin, for my sin. He died on the cross. He suffered like no man and my friend, the, the suffering of the physical suffering was just the beginning of it, Brother Michael, as you know. It was a spiritual suffering because during that time he took the sins of all mankind. A perfect Lamb of God had to look upon all the sin of mankind there on that cross and he shed his blood 
and he took all of our sins. He is born, as the Isaiah said, he is born our shame and carried our sorrows. He did that on the cross, my friend. How bad is sin? Yes, sin is so bad it would make an innocent man have to suffer on the cross for you. I say sin is not something to laugh about. But if, if somebody thinks that it's still a laughing matter, let me take you to another place. In Luke chapter 16, there was a man, well, they don't give his name. The Lord don't give his name because when you die without Christ, you don't have a name anymore. You go to a place called hell. And the Bible says about the rich man, he lifted up his eyes being in torment, and he was begging for a, just a drop of water. And you know what? That's, that's real bad, Brother Scott. That, but you know what? That has been there for over 2,000 years, suffering, probably still begging for a, a drop of water, just somebody to cool his tongue. He's tormented. How bad is sin? That's where you will go if you don't accept Jesus Christ. Why does a man need to be just with God? Because he must miss heaven, or excuse me, go to heaven. To go to heaven, you must be justified. You must miss hell. That's the only way you can miss hell, is be born again, be justified. Sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God because how bad is sin? Well, it held Jesus there on the cross for you and me. It's a place called hell for those that still die in their sin. But let me answer another question somebody might have. What will not justify a man? Man has tried all kinds of ways to be justified. I mean, you just, as I said about that little boy that tried to make his own target, his own bullseye, you can't make up your own rules with God. God's got a set of rules that you've got to either keep or have some other alternative. And by the way, you can't keep them. You can't keep all the rules. The, the Bible says, as I've already said, there's none righteous, no, not one. The best you can do, you think about, as I've said at the beginning of the message, I know some people that would be easy for me to love. <laughs> I mean, they're just good people. I know a lot of those people. They're just good morally. But you know what? If they don't have Jesus Christ, they'll go to the same hell that the rich man has gone to. There's none righteous. All of your good works, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. How about another uh, question? Some people think, well, you know, it's not really, I'm not really that bad a person. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, my religion might, might not be the right one, but I'm sincere about it. My friend, you ever think about this? You could be sincerely wrong. As I mentioned a while ago, you got to base your justification on this book. Man, be justified by the rules of this book. Be justified by the rules that God has given us. Good intentions, good works won't get you to heaven. Now, let me, I know this is what you've all been looking for, is the answer to the question. Well, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to go to the Word of God that I've already said. I'm going to justify, I'm going to show you how you can be justified by the Word of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Most of you know these verses by heart. I, I think I've got it to memory. While you're turning, I'm going to see if I can quote it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did I get it right? Closely, anyway. Amen. There's the answer. You, you might want to memorize this 
verse also because this is the answer to the greatest question that could ever be asked mankind. How can I be right with God? How can I be just as righteous as Jesus Christ? How can I make peace with God? Well, let me answer that question. You can't make peace with God. You have to have Jesus Christ who has made peace for you. Pastor, I used to say, the, as I said the other night, sometimes uh, the Bible has fixed a lot of my preaching. <laughs> I wasn't saying it the way I should have because I would say, you know, I have made peace with God myself, thinking that I can make peace. I've got, I made peace with God. Boy, that sounded good, brother. But I got to read, thinking about this verse. I couldn't make peace with God. In order to make peace with somebody, you have to have a peace, what? Offering. The only person that had a peace offering was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And guess what that offering was? His precious blood. Amen. When he presented that to the Father, the Father said, I am satisfied because of your suffering, because of this precious blood, I am satisfied the debt has been paid, praise God, by Jesus Christ. Now what, you say, what do I have to do? It's already been paid. The debt has been paid. What do you have to do? It's found in that verse. Therefore, being justified by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. This is just as easy as that. Realize that you are a sinner, that you can't get to heaven by yourself. And as I've already said, to get to heaven, you've got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Well, when you put your faith and trust in Him, He places His righteousness on you. He takes away all of your sins. Amen. Amen. So that you can stand before God the way every man wants to be able to stand before God, and that is justified. Right. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful, child of God, that you can stand before God this morning and when you prayed, listen, if you had one sin held against you, you couldn't stand before God. But God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has took away all that sin. And now we can, the Bible says we can come boldly to His throne of grace and, have, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. I thank God that I have been justified. And I think i got a few more minutes. We're not... not it's, it's against the law to eat before 12 o'clock, right? So, somebody said, let's break the law. But no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I've, I've just got about five or ten more minutes. I'll give you some other things. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace. We, Jesus Christ, child of God, has made peace for you with God Almighty. We have the peace of God. Now, now, sometimes throughout life, I pray not that God would make peace, I can make peace with God, but I pray for the peace of God. Amen. A lot of times we have to pray for that, and God will give you the peace of God. But I'm glad Jesus Christ has already made peace with God for me, and I praise God for that. But you know what? Is, would you be interested in knowing some other things that are come with that justification? Anybody? Well, I, just don't, I just needed one person to say sure, and, and I, I'm going to give you about three of them right quickly, and I'll be done, and I will do it before 12 o'clock. God be my helper. Number one, not only do you have justification, you have peace with God, 
But guess what? You have reconciliation. You know, us as humans, if somebody does something to us, we can forgive them when we're supposed to as Christians. But it's sure hard to forget. It's, it's, it's hard to have a relationship with that person. I don't, I'm just being honest. But guess what? The Lord God Almighty has the ability, sister, to forget all of our sin. <laughs> and when we stand before him justified, you understand that that word justified means just like you never sinned. Because we have that justification, we have reconciliation. And because we have reconciliation, we have, I know some big words, but they're really simple in their meaning. Because we have that reconciliation, we have fellowship. We have fellowship. I can talk to God and God talks to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. All that came with the package. Hallelujah. I got the full load, my friend. And, and so did you. As a child of God, you've got justified and I'm just saying, if you're not justified, you're missing so much. You can have the whole package today. But I've got one more. I said we've got peace, we've got justification, we've got reconciliation, we've got fellowship. But I've got to give you one more, and I better make it quick. We've got the grace of God. We've got the grace of God. Look with me in verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, that was talking about Adam, Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, who is that? Amen. Just, just one has been obedient, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for him? The obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's us, praise God. That, those of us that have, have accepted the Lord Jesus. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Not only do we have these other things, justification, peace, reconciliation, fellowship, but my friend, we have all the grace that we'll ever need. That's what that word abound, abundant means. Abounding grace will we'll never run out of the grace of God. You say, what about, what about this pandemic? Well, listen, God's got more grace than you'll ever need. You ever been to a restaurant? And I'm sure a brother traveling, he's experienced this like we have with a bigger family. Sit down, you get all of your family sit down ready to eat, and you're thinking, boy, I want that whatever was advertised on the billboard out there, that mashed potatoes, gravy, and steak. And I'm going to make somebody hungry right there. It's already made me hungry. But you sit down there with your whole family, and you think, boy, I'm going to enjoy that sweet potato pie. <laughs> and then you order it. And then they come to the, uh, uh, back to the table after they've been to the kitchen and said, they'll say this sometime, boy, we just ran out. I'm so sorry. I say, you are sorry. <laughs> I say that because I want to leave a track, brother, as you said. I want to be a good Christian, amen. I don't say a thing. But, you know, I want to say some things. I want to say, sue you for false advertisement. But, <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to be a Christian. But, boy, isn't it disappointing but guess what, my child of God? You'll never go to the table of grace. And God said to you, I just ran out. No, his grace and his mercy is abundant and free. And guess what? It, just, it, it, it didn't come because you've worked for it. It just come with the package. 
<laughs> what a package. Amen. And knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you're not saved today, you can get saved and have every bit of what I've been talking about. But my friend, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you'll have to go to that same hell that that rich man uh, went to, and you'll have to spend eternity in hell paying for your own sins. As they say, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> that don't even have to, you shouldn't even have to think about it. Just come to Jesus. Accept him today as they, as they come to sing a song, brother. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you so much, church, for listening so well this morning. I love this old hymn. The hymn says, Jesus paid it all. Now that first phrase there is for the sinner. Jesus has already paid it all for you. But this next phrase is for the Christian. I've tried to explain a little bit what Jesus went through to, to save you. Jesus, I hope you understand, he gave everything he had. <laughs> didn't he? God gave the very best he had. He didn't come short of anything. He didn't, he said, he, he didn't say, you can have this, but I'm not going to give you this. No, he had give us the very best that he had when he gave us his only begotten son. Jesus paid it all. That next phrase says, all to him I owe. I want to give him my very best. After all that he's done for me, and I hope you want to do the same thing, Christian. I hope you want to give him your very best. If God's dealt with your heart this morning, you come.